Good evening, everyone, and welcome to HBT on Wednesday night. We are glad to have you with us and honored to be able to communicate with you this evening in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's a great time to study the Word, and so we're just trusting that uh, you will just set aside everything else. and Just take your Bible, take your notepad, however you study and like to listen, and let's just enter into the presence of the Lord and uh, just invite his nearness close to you and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart tonight. I think it's good for us to gather midweek. It's good for us to be able to study God's word. God always has something good to say to us. And so we just want to take this time to you know, be able to allow the Holy Spirit to come and minister uh, to us in this special way during these unusual times. I think, uh, in a sense, we're almost getting used to it uh, in one way, uh, perhaps. But uh, it, yesterday, being at the funeral service, the graveside service for Brother Larry, uh, it was certainly nice to see everybody. And you you, you obviously remember uh, how nice it is to be with a group of believers and so, having said those few initial words, let's bow in a word of prayer, and uh, we would just like to uh, bring our needs before him tonight. A couple of special needs that I wanted to remember just before we start, uh, before we pray, and uh, I want to just make mention of Sister Karen's daughter, Carrie, uh, who is being tested for the COVID uh, illness, and they will have results tomorrow. They asked us specifically to pray. She's really been going through a difficult time. And so we'd ask uh, that you would uh, just make mention of her in your prayers and just trust that the Lord will uh, minister to her. Also, as well, we want to continue to remember uh, Sister Angie and all the family, just trusting that the Lord will uh, minister to their needs and continue to give them strength in the days ahead. You know, in one sense, it becomes a little more difficult because now— you know, the funeral's over, the graveside service is over. People go back to their routines and, you know, all the calls and comments and uh, interaction that the family had with other people now begins to die down because uh, Brother Larry stepped over into uh, the kingdom of God. And so, uh, therefore, it's it's important for us to remember her in prayer and, and the family in prayer as well. I had a good report today from Brother Ron Spencer, and uh, he is uh, doing better. The, the scans that he went through this past week uh, were good. They were positive. Um, there were um, no problems with his heart. Apparently, they were looking there as well. And so he was uh, thankful for that, very thankful for the prayers of uh, all the believers. And uh, he's still struggling with the uh, sugar problem or the uh, blood insulin levels because of the medication that he has to take. And uh, I told him, I said, just if you'd lay off the chocolate, I said, that would probably help uh, all great deal. And he said, that's, that's, that's pretty rough. That's what he told me. He said, it's pretty rough to lay off the chocolate. But uh, we sure, sure want to remember brother Ron in prayer has just been a real struggle for him. And so we just asked that uh, the Lord would undertake for him as well. Take your need now this evening, and uh, let's just let's just invite his presence near. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, very simply tonight, and 
in the middle of our week and the busyness of our jobs and the work we're doing in school. We just ask now that your holy presence would draw near to each one of us, Lord, and just just I, I pray you cover us, just like like uh, Ruth was laying at the feet of Boaz, Lord, and he took his blanket and covered her. Just ask, Lord, that you would cover us with your presence tonight, and, and may the presence of God just be very real. Lord, we think of these needs that we have mentioned tonight. We think of Sister Anja and her family. We pray that your divine presence would draw near to them and give them strength, Lord, in these days now that lay ahead. We ask, Lord, that you would just continue to bless Brother Ron. We commit him to you, Lord, and pray that you would give him strength in the days that that, uh, lay ahead for him. And, Lord, bring complete healing to his body. We curse that sickness in the name of Jesus Christ and pray, Lord, that your mercies that extend to him even now. Father, we pray for Carrie and uh, just ask, Lord Jesus, that you would just undertake for her. Pray, dear God, that you would just minister to her needs and Lord, just bring healing to her body, we pray. The best thing we can do, Lord, is always commit the needs of your people, of our loved ones, to you, and ask, Lord, that you would just draw near. Bless this service tonight, we pray, Lord. May the word be real. May it be rich. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. Now, uh, we would um, like to uh, just begin here tonight with a couple of quick announcements. You'll notice that the blur is back. Uh, we had a lot of comments on the blur and the floating on Sunday. Uh, the people in the church obviously jumped on that very quickly, but the people who were archiving later on, they also had fun with that. And uh, maybe we could, uh, I don't know, maybe we could uh, somehow arrange that for when we come back in the assembly, that maybe I could be hovering over the uh, pulpit or somehow I'm sure brother Jeremy can do that. He can pretty much do anything. And, uh, that way we'd get lots of, uh, people archiving our services. So, uh, tonight though, we're back with the uh, blur. Somebody called it a migraine aura and, uh, that's pretty severe, but, uh, I hope it does not distract tonight. And we pray that, uh, you will, uh, be okay with this, uh, in my study here. And, uh, it'll be a good background for you tonight. If it is if it is bothering anybody, we I would like to know that, uh, and we can certainly make that change as we don't want to make it difficult. Uh, it was really good to see everybody yesterday. The the folks that came, we had a good turnout from the assembly, and then uh, other friends and family who came for the graveside service. It was extremely windy uh, at the graveside service, but uh, we were able to uh, get through. It was really nice to see everybody, although it's a little awkward uh, not being able to shake hands and not being able to get close to everyone. But it was really nice to be able to fellowship just for a few moments anyway. And uh, I want to thank you also for the food that was brought and the meals that are uh, pledged for Sister Angie and the family. They, um, I talked to the family last night, and they certainly did enjoy the meal. It was a great blessing. I know Brother Smith went back uh, to the Pruitt home and stayed some time with them and others as well. And um, they told me it was really very nice, and they really appreciated that uh, a great deal. I also uh, wanted to mention that we have um, a a little communication coming out to you that will uh, nail down all the times for the Zoom meetings that we have going on. Uh, We didn't want to have too many, 
but we have uh, several of them that are slotted and uh, one or two that are uh, coming up that are not exactly slotted yet in a particular time, but they will be. Um, so the, the meeting with the sisters and, and Sister Becky is 3 o'clock on Friday afternoon. That will be held uh, consistently. Then 7.30 Friday night is our uh, older youth group. So 7.30 Friday night. Even if you don't hear from me, we'll be having uh, a meeting on Friday nights with our uh, Sunday school class. That will be for the 13 and up group. Then also uh, Saturday night at 7.30, we are going to have the little kids. That's the uh, youngest group up to eight years old. And that will be on Saturday night at 7.30. Our service, of course, is Sunday morning at um, 10.30, regular time. And then also we uh, did a men's meeting last uh, last Sunday at 7 p.m. And I got a really good, really positive response. I think the men were feeling kind of left out. And uh, they really enjoyed seeing one another. And so this Sunday we're going to do another one, uh, 7 o'clock on the Zoom meeting. And we're going to have a special guest. And we're going to be talking about the future of work and uh, how that uh, work and jobs are going to be changing uh, in our society, they've already been changing, and I think we're going to see even more change in the coming economy. And uh, I really think it would be uh, profitable for you to be there, for you men to be there. And I really think that uh, it would be really especially good for our younger men to be there. Uh, I've talked about this subject. We're going to have an expert uh, on the subject, and so I think that would be really good. Also, uh, Sister Laura's class uh, will also meet on Sunday at 4 p.m., and that's the group between 8 and 13. So uh, on Sunday, it'll be 10.30 service, 4 o'clock with Sister Laura's Sunday school class, and then 7 o'clock for the men, uh, and those last two will be Zoom meetings. So uh, we would appreciate you uh, paying attention to those times and uh, encourage you to come along because there's always something good. Uh, that takes place. We also, too, as well, um, at the same time we're streaming here tonight, we're also doing a Zoom phone conversation. So if you know somebody who does not have the Internet, uh, I think Sir, Sister Shirley Lingle is on here tonight, uh, and she doesn't have the Internet, but she's able to contact us by phone so that uh, she can zoom in on the phone line and be a part of the service. So we're really excited about that. And uh, I think Brother Roger Clayville is also uh, attending tonight. So if you know of somebody who does not have the Internet, uh, then uh, just have them uh, call the number, and you can get that number from myself or Brother Jeremy, and uh, we will gladly supply that for you and uh, make sure everybody has a means to connect so they can have the live service. Services are all archived so that they can listen to it after the fact as well. Well, let's uh, turn to the Word tonight, and uh, we want to uh, deal with this subject, the evening, the evening of the World, Part 2. And uh, about a month ago, we talked about this subject. But before we do that, I want to show you four slides. And I just had this on my heart all day. And I thought, if you don't mind, um, I, I would just like to deal with this simple subject here uh, of, of financial issues. And I, I didn't do a whole service on finances, although I felt uh, I could as I got into this. But I, I just want to show you four slides here. Uh, that are really something for you to think about. 
Now, in First Chronicles chapter 29, uh, this is a, a great scripture, a great testimony that David gives. And uh, it's found in First Chronicles 29, verse 10, 11, and 12. And uh, David writes these words. I'm going to begin reading at verse 10. Wherefore, David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Verse 12. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. I really like those words. And may the Lord add his blessing. Now, this is a, a, a good time for us um, in, in this unusual circumstance of the, uh, the economic shutdown for us to think about a financial plan uh, that is better than the one we have. If you have a financial plan that works great, then all, uh, you know, may God bless you for having that plan in place. But most of us should be able to look at our financial plan and perhaps make some tweaks and try to improve in some areas. Uh, any financial plan, in order for it to work, it's going to require discipline and commitment so that the plans you have and the tips and advice that you receive are translated into actions that work. We have to follow through on good intentions. It's no good to say, well, I'll do this next year or I'll do this next time we have a, you know, an economic shutdown. Another couple of economic shutdowns in our world could easily change things in a drastic way. There was a statement that was made this past week by uh, Senator Mitch McConnell, and uh, it was just a little blip on the news, and I caught it. And he said, he, he said something pretty interesting. He said, uh, when it came to furthering the stimulus uh, bill and uh, borrowing more money so that small businesses and airlines and so forth and the hospitals would have more money, uh, he said, we don't want to borrow too much, he said, to, foot, to put further and future generations in jeopardy. And when I heard that, I thought, wow, that's, that's amazing that he would actually say that because, uh, there is, there is a, a kind of this mindset that the U.S. government can borrow, uh, ad infinitum. In other words, we can borrow, uh, endlessly and there's no consequence for that. That is definitely not true. And, uh, even though you're not responsible for the U.S. government and the decisions that it makes, you are responsible for your own household and your own business, and so forth, and like I am for the church. And so, therefore, we want to do our very best as stewards to make, uh, you know, a good financial plan that, that is more solid than what we have, and one that we're not afraid to discipline ourselves and commit ourselves to so that it will work uh, in difficult times. I expect that we will have only more difficult times uh, moving forward. Once we get through this one, it will be probably fine. But then we'll have other issues to deal with later on. Now, let me show you one graph here, which I thought was interesting. This is a, a simple graph that shows a relationship between uh, the cost of living
which is consumer credit. So in other words, the, the, the relationship is that as saving goes down, consumer credit goes up. People who do not save will tend to borrow quicker and use credit cards or car loans and so forth. They'll use that more often. So you see a steep, uh, in, it's called an inverse relationship here, where the, where the savings level goes down, consumer borrowing goes up. And that number, uh, in the, um, in the red column is, uh, a very, very large number, uh, when we come to the top. And so it's interesting to see that, that, that's, that's, that's very typical. That's the way that, um, that's, that's the way that, uh, the, 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 uh, relationships or proportions work. That if people don't say they still have anniversaries, they still have birthdays, they still have Christmas uh, gifts to buy and so forth. They still have things that they have to, uh, you know, to obtain. Plus, they have to deal with emergencies. So if you have a flat tire or if you have a water pump go out in your car or if you have an air conditioner breakdown in your house or whatever it is, uh, that's, that's an emergency that is going to require immediate action. So if your savings is, is reduced, then the amount of consumer spending is, is what goes up immediately because people have to have, uh, they have to have, uh, uh support or they have to have funds in that particular time. So the graph again, and, and I think we lost sound just for a minute there, but the graph again is the relationship between saving and consumer spending consumer credit. So the blue line is the amount of saving. When people save less, they spend more on credit cards. They, they borrow more for vehicles and for, uh, you know, uh, expendable items like that. We're not talking about mortgages here. We're not talking about even health expenses here, but whenever people save less and they have less money to throw at expenses, that are extraordinary or emergencies that arise. If your washing machine breaks, every woman needs a washing machine. Uh, you have to, you have to do something for your anniversary. You have to, uh, pay for curriculum. If you're a homeschooler, perhaps once or twice a year. Um, if, if there is an emergency like we're experiencing today, where we have the virus situation here, and a lot of people found themselves very quickly out of a job and very quickly in a very, in a different financial circumstance, then if there is no saving, or less saving, there is more consumer spending short term. And that number has risen dramatically. I thought this was a very interesting graph. Uh, so it, it is important for us to recognize that. Now, let's, let's go uh, to this simple uh, rule of thumb. If you don't have any budget or any plan at all, here's an idea for you to start with. If we break our income down into a 70-20-10 rule, then 70% roughly would be uh, used for expenses. And that would be everything from food to clothing to rent or uh, mortgage payment or whatever else. All of that would fall into that gray area. Secondly, 20% would be for savings. And in the savings here would be uh, for, uh, for tithing, uh, for saving for um, long-term. So this would include... Uh, Roth IRA and so forth, all those other uh, issues that we we should be saving for. And then the third column, the 10% uh, 
would be, and it has tithing in there. I didn't do this graph. Uh, I would put tithing over in the other category, but investment or like, for instance, saving for college, saving for weddings, saving for long-term expenses there. This would not be for, uh, for instance, out of your, uh, your 401k, for instance, because that would come out of your taxable income prior to your take-home pay. So this amount for take-home pay, if we did 70% on expenses, 20% for savings and for dealing with debt, and then uh, the last 10% would be for investments and long-term college expenses and so forth. Now, obviously, it would be really nice to reduce that 20% category uh, so that we were able to increase the 10% category so that we're able to invest more. Okay, If we cut our expenses as well, then obviously we'd have more to invest and more to pay off debt. So if you have a credit card, it's a good thing uh, to pay that off. So let's do four simple rules, okay, about investing for the long run. Here we go. And if you can hear me, if you don't mind, just uh, communicate with me. Say amen on your phone. Uh, I'd like to hear that uh, you're, I'm getting through. Number one, we're always going to put God first. A believer is going to do that first, okay? So God gets the first cut. He gets the first portion of our income because that's our increase. Whether that is a stimulus payment or whether that is your paycheck or whether that is unemployment, Whatever it is uh, that God increases your store by, then we are going to put God first. Number two, we're going to set and work hard to achieve specific goals each year. So it's really nice to say this year we're going to become uh, debt-free in terms of vehicles, or we're going to eliminate uh, our credit card, or we're going to try to pay extra on our house mortgage or whatever it is. We're going to save for uh, expanding our house or whatever else that you deem to be something that is worthy of a goal. Thirdly, we're going to build an emergency fund equal to between three to six months of your net income, and we're going to contribute monthly until you're there. So this is a very, very important hedge against, thank you for all the amens, this is a very important hedge against catastrophe for unexpected expenses like uh, times like we are in right now when it comes to the uh, virus here and the economic meltdown. It's going to take probably years for us to recover out of this meltdown. So having an emergency fund and not having to borrow during times like this is really dependent on your willingness to invest in the long run in a goal that satisfies you for three to six months of your expenses, of your net income. So that's the money you take home and you live on every month. If we set that aside, let's say it's $3,000 a month, then at a minimum you would have $6,000 set aside uh, so that you could meet bare expenses, bare minimum, uh, sorry, if, if you have 3000 and you're going to do three months minimum, that would be 9000 Yes, I, I get that. Thank you for picking that up. 9000 at a minimum. We're going to put that away in an emergency fund. We're going to dig it out only when we have the next economic meltdown, which we hope we never have again, but I believe we will. And uh, there, therefore, we have a little cushion to lean on. An emergency fund is not used for pizza on Friday night. It's not used for uh, your wife's birthday because her birthday comes every year, and you can pretty much budget that um, in the uh, in the run of a year. An emergency fund is a, is a fund that we're going to draw from when our income stops or when we have a meltdown like we have right now. It's good to have that so that we don't have to live just only for the week or for the month. We have a little cushion there. If you do not have one, 
it would be good for you to contribute monthly or put it in your budget until you were there. Even if it's a small amount, we're going to put it there every month. And the fourth thing, we're going to pay off consumer credit accounts. And that would be credit cards, car loans, that kind of thing. Uh, we're going to do that. Okay, that's my four slides. I think, if nothing else, I want you to understand that having an emergency fund is probably the greatest tool you could have had over this last month of all the tools in your toolbox. Having an emergency fund gives you the security to be able to uh, have a little cushion between yourself and the cold, hard reality of having no job, no income, no support. Uh, and, and I think that is something to consider. Again, you've got to be committed to this. Hey, as we read in the scripture at the beginning, God owns it all. He is able to prosper. He is the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I said at the graveside yesterday, the old minister who was dying, and they asked him, they said, tell us whether you're afraid of dying. And he said, he said, absolutely not. He said, I, I uh, have a father who owns land on both sides of the river. And so God owns it all. And he's able to direct some of it your way when you do things the right way. You have to put God first. You have to set achievable goals and work towards them every year. Build an emergency fund, three to six months of your net income, and then pay off consumer debt accounts and do it systematically. And then just pray, Lord, bless and have your way uh, in our household. Bless our, breathe on our finances, Lord, and help us to uh, be solid, more solid, because we're heading into less solid times. Don't think that if they open up restaurants and we're able to get back into our church or you're able to go to a mall somewhere, don't think that the world is in a stronger position. It will not be. There are many, many, many uh, economic factors and principles that are at work here uh, that weaken economies of the world, supply chain uh, events. All of those things are very important factors that weaken uh, world economies. And because they're all tied together now, it's going to be an issue. I'm sorry to have taken up so much time. I hope that's a help to you. Let me get on to the evening of the world here, and uh, we'll talk about part two. Now, since this is Wednesday night, it's good for us to uh, study a little bit about the scripture. And uh, we're reading from Colossians chapter 1 and verse 25. And I love the book of Colossians, and there's a specific reason why. Let's read in uh, Colossians 1 and verse 25, starting tonight. Paul says, Colossians 1.25, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and generations, but now is made manifest to his saints to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Wisdom comes from reading the Bible. Wisdom comes, wisdom and knowledge are two different things. We can know a lot of facts and not have very much wisdom. But if you want to gain wisdom, you should read your Bible, because that's where it comes from. Now, in one of my commentaries that I use, and I, I, I refer back sometimes to the older uh, writers uh, in relation to the some of the uh, books of the Bible, I, I do a lot of research when it comes to taking a subject, and uh, I, I, I found that 
most of the commentators suggested that the book of Colossians is the best uh, description of the person of God in all of the New Testament. And there's there's many uh, principles and descriptions of God there that are better than in most of the New Testament books. And it, there's more detail, perhaps we could say it that way. Now, one of the reasons why is because of a thing called the Colossian heresy. And uh, I'm, I'm just learning a little bit about the Colossian heresy. And there's, there's uh, a, a, a reason for it. Back in in the time in the in the area of Colossae, which is the city of Colossae, there were people who were called Gnostics. They were people who were very intellectual, and they looked at the letter of the word, and uh, they debated a lot about the uh, you know their different ideas about uh, the Bible and about the person of Christ and so forth. So Paul deals with things that they were uh, tied up with or consumed with. In other words, Paul deals with new moons and Sabbaths. Paul also deals with circumcision. Here he deals with uh, meat and drink and how uh, that some people would put emphasis on that. The Gnostics were people who, uh, they they had some central uh, concerns or objections to the, uh, to the teaching of Paul. And let me let me summarize one of the objections, and and then we can uh, we can move on here, and and maybe sometime if we have an opportunity we can uh, come back to their argument because it's worth talking about. But they believe that I'm, I'm reading here, I'm quoting: if if God had created the universe out of nothing and evolved it directly from Himself, then God, being holy, could not have brought an evil universe into existence. Let me say that again. If God had created the universe out of nothing, which he did, and evolved it directly from himself, which he did by the spoken word, then God being holy could not have brought an evil universe into existence. Otherwise, one is driven to the inescapable conclusion that God created evil, which is impossible since he is holy. Well, let me assure you that uh, God created everything, and uh, God also gave men choices. And because we are free moral agents and God gave us choices, it is uh, not God's uh, fault that there are many of the problems that exist in our world today. But God gave men choices. One day God will make all of that correct and take all evil from the world when he takes the evil one from the world. But God allowed evil to exist and coexist like the two trees in the Garden of Eden. And so, therefore, uh, the way that they answer that question is different than how we as believers would answer that question. And I won't go into that because it takes a little explanation here. But these were Gnostics. And so, therefore, in in the area of Colossae, they had a real foothold, had a, a strong group of following of the Gnostic point of view. Paul, therefore, writes to them, and he puts in lots of detail about uh, the mystery of God, the person of God, and he describes God in ways that uh, are more detailed than other places in the Scripture. Now, I want you to notice something that that uh, Brother Branham says in 1964. He says, we do have today, by God's help, the perfect interpretation of the Word with divine vindication. Then that which is in part is done away with. 
That's quite a statement. We do have today, by God's help, the perfect interpretation of the word with divine vindication. Now, I can tell you that through the ages, they didn't have that. Otherwise, they never would have believed in the Trinity. They would have never believed in the fall in the Garden of Eden the way that they did. So something has happened here in the last day, and it's important for us to understand a little bit about this history. Now, Brother Branham also says in 1953, so Paul now, as we read in Colossians, he is talking about this mystery that's given to him to reveal to the world Christ in in us, the hope of glory. And here's Brother Branham coming along at the end, and he's saying that uh, he has a perfect interpretation of the word with divine vindication. But we find it all wasn't that way through the ages. In the message called I Will Restore 1953, he says, well, that fire, the pillar of fire, was hid for a while through the dark ages. But the first one that saw the pillar of fire was Martin Luther. In other words, he saw the light in his day, caught, caught a light, and it was the ending of the dark ages. He sounded the trumpet, came out of the Catholic Church, and the first thing you know, it caused a great universal revival. So you can see that in the first age, Paul had a, an understanding, a more perfect understanding, but he did say that we see through a glass darkly. But then here comes a prophet in the last day and says that he has a perfect understanding of the word of God, perfect interpretation with divine vindication. So let's let's graphically draw this out. Here's the Apostle Paul on uh, my left. I don't know how this looks on your screen, but on my left and over on the right, we have a prophet in the last day who had a perfect interpretation of the word. And then we had the dark ages in between. So we had a partial understanding and, and the quote on the bottom is that pillar of fire was hid for a while through the dark ages. So from Colossians 1 to Revelation 10, uh, we had uh, a lot of misunderstanding and misinterpretation of the word of God because it was hid for a while through those ages. You remember through the, um, uh, through the Nicene Council and the introduction of false teaching and false doctrine, there was many things that went into obscurity back in that time. So Paul was bringing this interpretation. That's why the book of Colossians is so great, because he's really nailing it down there. But as time went on, this went into darkness. And then, of course, it came out in the last day to where we have a perfect understanding. You happen to be living in a time when the perfect understanding is made known, and we should be very, very thankful for that, that we're not guessing and probing and wondering about things, but we do have a perfect understanding of God's word. All right, let's go a little bit further now. Results of a decision in 1955, Joshua said, now you're going to see the glory of God, uh, for there hung the pillar of fire over them, but don't let it go out of your sight because you've never passed this way before. I believe there's an experience for the church. There's a similar experience for the church. You've never passed this way before. Let's move out towards Jordan. God's here leading you. Brother Branham is not still here leading us. I'm not the one who's leading us, but God's here in a form leading us tonight in a way we've never trodden before. And so therefore, it's really, really important for us to make sure we keep our eyes on the right kind of leadership that God provides. I've said this many times recently, and I want to reiterate it again. Let's just look at it graphically. You've seen this screen many times. This is body, spirit, and soul, and how that God deals with the inner man, okay? Revelations that come from the Father, they come to the inner man because that's the part of God that lives eternally in this time uh, time body. And so God reveals things to us. 
Now, you remember that I said that the way God deals with us is not God individually dealing with everyone directly, but God sends his word to a prophet, and then a prophet communicates to the believers who are on earth and for those who are coming uh, in the ages ahead. Okay, so that's the way that I, I've uh, laid out this screen. Let me add a different screen here, uh, or a different component to the screen here. We can see that revelations come from God, but also through the ages there was a dark time when the revelation was not clear. In faith once delivered to the saints, Brother Branham said, now we find today in this great age that we live in, one of the greatest, darkest times of all history, outside of the dark ages that I could ever think of, we're living in it right now. Aren't you glad that we've had a prophet that is able to catch the thought of God and brings light to the body? That's what his job was to do in this last day. Because we think about how dark it was in the dark ages, and it certainly was a terrible time. Here's Brother Branham describing to us that the time we live in is actually darker. It's darker spiritually. We have more technology. We have more intellectual knowledge. We have lots more communication. We have lots more advantages that way. But spiritually, Things are darker than they ever have been in any other age. That's why we needed to have a specific kind of leadership in this last day, because it'll have to be a leadership you won't miss. The leadership is not based on intellect. It's not based on how smart you are. It's not based on how uh, intelligent you are. It has nothing absolutely to do with that. It, it starts with, my sheep hear my voice. And when a, new, when a person experiences a new birth, then all of a sudden they have a homing device that locks on to that leadership of the Holy Spirit as he provides it and leads them in the path that God has chosen for us. As we found out, and again, this is elementary to us now because we've said this in every service here lately, things can get dark pretty quickly. Things can change rapidly. Even beyond our wildest expectations, we never thought we would be sitting where we are tonight, in our own home and not in church. But here we are in a place where it requires us to be very, very thoughtful about every decision we make. And in a sense, it's God shaking things up to where we, we are mindful of things in a different way. We're, we're, we think a little bit differently about our, our money and our income. We think a little bit differently about church. I hope you do. We think a little bit differently about all these quotes that you hear and the Word of God. And we think also, too, we are a people who have been informed systematically for years now that the end would come and darkness would be a characteristic of that time, that gross darkness would cover the earth. Sorry, gross darkness would cover the people and darkness would cover the earth. But yet we were also told in the book of Zechariah that there would be light about the evening time. So all of this makes sense to us. All of this, all of this works in our understanding. So God, therefore, has, as in every age and every time like this, has provided specific focused leadership for God's people. So we had to be very careful that we follow that right leadership. Again, we find in greatest newsflash in history. Let's just keep walking into the promised land, not looking back to see what will happen back there. 
and what somebody else is doing. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the Joshua, the leader. Just keep moving on deeper depths and higher heights until you you're possess everything that God promised you in his word. I think that's really good. Now, forgive me here. I, I, I can't really preach without my hands, okay? You think it's just your mouth. It's not. It's my hands as well. But I was told this week that I needed to keep my hands within my body. I'm, I haven't figured that out yet. Uh, I, I'm working on it. But I think it means that i got to keep my hands closed. So if, if, uh, if, 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 I'm feel, if I look limited, uh, it is because I am truly limited because I can't really do this. Okay, let's keep walking into the promised land. That's our journey. That's our that's our destiny. Is is the kingdom of God? Not looking back to. Or, or let me say it correctly, our journey is to the kingdom of heaven. Okay, we are moving towards heaven, the promised land in in type. We're not looking back to see what will happen back there, and what somebody else is doing. My goodness, when you look around and you look back at the world today. It's pretty confusing. It's pretty chaotic. It seems like even leaders are losing faith in each other. Uh, governors and presidents and the White House and the medical institutions. And I mean, you have to admit there's a certain amount of confusion that's there. And that's very, very unfortunate because we need good, solid leadership in our time. And I wish it wasn't that way. We would be like everybody else looking at all of that. Except here's a prophet telling us, back in 1961, keep your eyes on Jesus, the Joshua, the leader. Keep moving on deeper depths and higher heights. From here to eternity. From here to the body that God has for us. From here to John chapter 14. In my Father's house are many mansions. Again, Brother Branham says, you keep your eyes on the promise giver, the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes on his word. He's the one, <coughs> excuse me, he's the one who promised he watches over it to perform it. He keeps it in the hollow of his hand, and in the depths of his heart, it's embedded. His word has to be true. Get your mind off your sickness, off your trouble. Keep your eyes on Jesus. That's excellent advice. Again, is this a sign of the end, sir? 1962. End of the year, Brother Branham knows he's coming into some sort of a cycle that is going to bring him further into the mysteries of God. He's not there yet, but he's coming there. Friends, don't look at me. I'm your brother. Don't pay no attention to me. I'm immortal. I have to die like everybody else. Don't be mad at God for making Brother Branham human, but I have news for you. He truly was human. Uh, he is not uh, divine. He was not virgin born. He, he is a man just like you and I. I don't know whether he knew that he would leave long before the bride left. But either way, he cautions us with good wisdom not to focus our eyes on him. Because if we were just looking at Brother Branham and God took him off the scene, we would have to relearn who to follow. But he's teaching us this even before he leaves. Don't you listen to me, but listen to what I've said. What I said is the message. Don't pay any attention to the messenger. Watch the message. Keep your eyes not on the messenger, but on the message. What it said, that's the thing to look to. Is anybody unclear? 
Is anybody unsure about where we should be looking? We should be looking to Christ. We should be looking to the Word. We're going to need to. Here's questions and answers, 1964. Brother Branham, will the bride go through the persecution as the early apostolic church did? No. I just explained that a few minutes ago. The next thing is the rapture. The rapture would be the thing that we would move into as a season or a time, but we come to the change of our body where we make a final step on the earth, and then we take off like Enoch did. Remember, we're at the promised land. We're at the border. You understand the march of Israel. They came to a place where after all of those years, they finally stepped into the river. They were at the border of the promised land, and they stepped in. They they crossed over into the, the proper place. Brother Branham is telling us in exactly the same way. He said, we're moving now into the place where we're at the border, but we still have to make those final steps and cross over into that land. We're not there yet. So Christ the mystery of God revealed. This is now tying back to uh, Brother Branham's uh, teaching on, on Christ the mystery and the book of Colossians go together. This is a tremendous pairing of truth. When you take that particular book, Colossians, and then you take the message Christ and Mr. God revealed, and you look at them side by side, there's there's a great unfolding of truth there and a great um, expose, if you like, of the person of Christ. And that's what the messenger of Revelation 10 was to do. Now, Brother Branham said, now, don't make any difference what they say. That church will stand true in this light. That church, that bride, will stand true in this light, this light given by God or coming through the candlestick that receives its light from the Holy of Holies. She's already proved it back yonder. She'll do it again in the face of everything. No matter what catastrophe or what government arises, the bride is going to stand true in this light. It's the word of God. And standing true implies that we acknowledge there are not two different lights. There are not multiple ways in. This is a singular, solitary view and a single, solitary understanding that we have. She's already proved it. It's the word of God. And let all ecumenical movements and everything else will be gone. She's going to be there without spot or wrinkle. She'll stand there. Now, as we've said over the ages there, uh, there were lots of different catastrophes and lots of different things that happened. I mean, we're we're talking about in the Dark Ages, 68 million people died. And there's lots of people must have thought, well, where's this going to end? Or is this going to end? And they they must have thought about, you know, the end of the world when the Catholic Church had such power and such destruction that was loosed in the earth. And then I, I showed you pictures back before of uh, Wesley and uh, Cotton Mather and, and Jonathan Edwards and different ones that experienced different hardships and plagues and persecutions that arose in their time. And that's where this phrase, the evening of the world, came, which Jonathan Edwards used. And he described it, you know, he lost three of his children, his wife and his housekeeper, all in the same plague of measles, I think, that came through. It's one of the most contagious and destructive uh, plagues that uh, has ever been loosed on mankind. And so he referred to this time when so many people died. as he's, he, he asked the question, could this be the evening of the world? And so these were difficult times for believers through the ages. 
But it was not God's intention to stop everything back then. It was not God's intent to close it down back there. God allowed the ages to roll on. God allowed uh, time to still proceed and the bride to press on through those difficult times and come out to where we are today. Now, we have a prophet that came in this last day and said categorically, thus saith the Lord, we're living in the last day. Or we're living at the end time. So we know with this, God's going to wrap it up. We know with this, light is extinguished. So the bride cannot be here without light because God is light. And so if the light is is coming to a place of being fully extinguished, then we know the bride has got to be taken away very soon. Watch what Brother Bram says in modern events. God don't need no interpreter. He is his own interpreter. We're not living in a Pentecostal age. We're living in another age. We're living on up here in the bride age, the calling out of the church and getting it together for the rapture. That's the age that we're now living. I believe it's the hand of the enemy that would keep us from getting together. Although we have, in a in a universal sense, we have been gathered together under the revealed word of the hour. So we still have that unity. I talked to Brother Elias today in Africa, and I, I stay in close contact with the brothers in Africa because the situation over there is um, there are not as many cases on the continent of Africa, but any cases make it bad for a bad healthcare system already. In one of the countries, it was on the news today, in one of the countries, it might be Burkina Faso uh, over there, they said that they had one bed in an emergency room setting in the country. One one, uh, emergency room bed in the country. They're projecting that they need about 10,000 and there's only one room. That's hard to believe. I, I, I may not have my numbers just exactly correct. But when it comes to emergency facilities, you know, like uh, we, we, have, we have so much more. And in their systems over there, the, the, the systems are already very poor, very compromised. And without having the equipment and medications over there, it's very difficult. So even if they had one-tenth of the cases that we have, that would still be a major catastrophe in those nations because they're not even able really to handle what they have already. And so it becomes a very, uh, very serious thing in those parts of the world. And so I was talking with brother Elias and one of the things that he's working on right now is actually getting the internet into his church, uh, connecting with an internet service provider so that he can have internet so he can broadcast and he can attempt to connect everyone in the country by phone. And uh, that's that's an absolutely fantastic solution. So we are helping financially to uh, help him accomplish that uh, because that would uh, be a great uh, way for the, the believers to be ministered to no matter where they are because most people have a phone that is able to connect in some way in their country. So for them to be able to gather around a phone and have the in their families and be able to gather around and dial in and so forth. Hey, even if it's spotty, it's, it's still better than what they have right now. And so, uh, we're attempting to do that. And so in this sense where brother Branham says that, uh, we're up here in this bright age where God's calling out the church and getting it together for the rapture. Hey, if we can use technology to get the bride together, amen. If we can get the bride age, you know, the bride pulled together around the hearing of the word of God, that's great. And no matter how it happens, uh, we thank God for that opportunity that believers have. 
Okay, so this is the idea that, uh, you know, God's pulling uh, his people together. And God is not defeated because there is sickness in the world. God is not defeated because there is dark clouds on the horizon. God is not defeated by a poor economy or bad political decisions. God is not defeated by that. His bride has one determination, and that is to sit in the presence of the king. And God makes a way for that because uh, that's his promise. He's faithful to his word. So here's what Brother Bam said again in the 70th week of Daniel. Remember in this great time of persecution and tribulation, he's not talking about right now. He's talking about the time that lays ahead. There's millions of Gentiles will die in that. And that rejected bride, the foolish virgin, that remnant of the woman's seed, that sleeping virgin. So that's that's coming. That's laying ahead. That's not right in our time now. God's still dealing with the uh, with the wise virgins now, thankfully, but those things are laying ahead. God's now just loosening up the church everywhere, getting it in order now, so He can get it into the rapture, and it's got to give it rapturing faith before it can go. The people are in the spirit of the last day, just like they was in the days of Noah, eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, unconcerned, don't care. I saw a headline today. There was, uh, like I've told you before, I'm on these different email lists that uh, that are sent out. One of them comes from, uh, because I had purchased things from Lifeway uh, Christian bookstores, they send a, uh, an email out. And one of their studies that they sent out, I just saw the headline in the first part of it there. They were asking, did Jesus speak about the end times? And they're asking the question, are we living in the end times? And I, I thought to myself, wow, uh, you talk about you talk about somebody who needs oil in their lamp. There are lots of people who are, they're, they're wondering. And I'm not talking about insincere people. I'm not talking about bad people. I'm not being critical, and I'm not, for for sure, looking down on those people. I, I don't want to, don't want you to do that, and I don't want to give the impression that I'm doing that at all. That uh, you know, we think, ha ha, we're way ahead of those people here. I'm just so thankful that God did it right. He He sent a message long ago that got our attention and pulled us along in that in in that parade, if you like, in that formation of the bride towards the kingdom. And you can see now that when when you when you stand a little bit in comparison to uh, the focus that denominational churches have had, that now they're trying to piece together loose ends without light. They don't have oil for their lamp. So they're trying to look in the scripture and take scripture verses and piece them together, pull them together into a pattern that fits and make connections in the Bible without light. It, it's like doing it. This is exactly what it would be like. Thank God for analogies. If if you walked into a room and you were assembling a jigsaw puzzle and, and you, you had the box, you could see the picture uh, before you began and you sat at the table to put the pieces together and the lights went out. And now you've got to take the pieces and put that jigsaw puzzle together in the darkness. Can you imagine how difficult a task that would be? That would be an insurmountable task to make the right connections in the dark. The foolish virgin have no oil, therefore they have no light. Therefore, in their sincere attempts to pull scriptures together and link them in a 
in a credible way, in a logical way. It would be an insurmountable thing. I I don't know about you. My phone should be blowing up here uh, with your amens to, to acknowledge the fact that we're not in darkness putting Scripture together. God has done that for us. God has sent a prophet ahead of us, like he sent Joseph ahead of us, so that we can know in advance what's going on. We can we can have leadership. Listen, for, for those of you brothers that attended last Sunday night, Brother Aaron did a little, just a little 30-minute, well, a few more extra minutes, but he did a 30-minute lesson on, uh, you know, just talking about the end times and the things we should stay focused on in, in the time of plagues and so forth. It was excellent. It was a really good, uh, if you like, kind of a look back, a reminder of what it is that we should be focused on uh, in in times like this and how God has sent a man ahead like he sent Joseph ahead and and put him in place to be able to bring things together in such a way. Here's Brother Brown standing there in the 1950s and 1960s putting together mysteries that now mean the world to us. So that when the world is groping in darkness and gross darkness covers the people, we're standing there saying, ah, "We, uh, by God's grace, we found the way. And, and the picture is clear to us. We can see it. You did not do that. I did not do that. God, by his grace, did that. And we are so thankful that he has made this picture so clear for us. But that was his intent, loosening the church everywhere. Come out of her, my people. Getting the church together and getting the church into order so that the the people can be in the spirit of construction, if you like, how God constructed the last portion of that bride, molded her, shaped her, uh, honed her off, put the right things in, took the wrong things out, washed us clean, set us in our heavenly places in Christ. The world is in the spirit of where they're anointed to be in this last day. Many people, unconcerned, don't care. I'll tell you what, a lot of people are getting concerned. Uh, you lose your job for long enough, you get concerned. Um, marrying, giving in marriage, dealing with all the circumstances and situations that exist today. I'll tell you what, I'm just, I'm humbled. I'm humbled and I'm thankful for what God has done. Now, faithfulness and patience go together, Brother Branham said in the Church Age book. In fact, patience is the outcome of faithfulness. For it says in James 1 3, the typing of your, the, sorry, the trying of your faith worketh patience. There's absolutely no other way in the world to gain patience. Someone said to me the other day, uh, not here, but somebody said to me a little while ago, they said, you know, we, we have to get back in church. We have to get back in church. Have to get back in church. Have to get back in church. Yes, I agree. I think it'll be nice to be back in church. I, I to be to be a lot of. Uh, I think it'll be nice to be back in church. I, I think it'd be nice to have communion, foot washing again. I think it'd be nice to have a a dinner with everybody. I think it'd be nice to have, you know, the the singing and the music that we miss. It adds so much to the flavor of our worship. I think yes, it would be really nice to have that. But again, let me say, like I said Sunday morning, my spiritual experience is not founded on church. It is a relationship with Christ. And I think 
that's an important thing to articulate. That's an important thing to say. And while we miss church, I'm still glad I have a relationship with God. I think that's important because God puts us through things only when you're ready to be put through them. God does not put the bride through things in the world and hope they come out on the other end. God would never send trouble into this world unless he had equipped us to endure. And in that in that experience of faithfulness and steadfastness, patience grows. There's absolutely no other way in, in which to gain patience. It has to come by the trial of your faith. And so let me tell you something. I think this whole virus thing is a pop quiz. I think God said to, to this group that's being pressurized like astronauts for another world, I, I, I think he said, hey, Take all the books off your desk, clear your desk. We're going to have a pop quiz. Here you go. This is what the end time is going to look like. This is what the real end time is going to look like. This is this is a, a time where your dependence on your work, your income, the stability of governments, the regularity of our, our supply chain, all of those things we've come to depend on. The fact that there are restaurants, the fact that there are, uh, you know, supplies at hand. And they'll never run out. I think God knocked on everyone's door and said, hello, you might want to look at this again. Because I'm the one who makes all of this happen. I'm the one who owns it all. And I want you to understand that when we come down to the end time, the Bible says that they'll cast their silver in the streets because it won't be worth anything. Imagine... Imagine what it would be like for an entity like the Catholic Church to pay off the debt of the United States. So God says, all right, we're going to have a dry run. We're going to have a pop quiz. And this is what it's going to look like. This is where we're, this is the kind of thing that I want you to think about. And you know what? It makes us look up. And if that's what this has accomplished in your life, then that's a good thing. You ought to say, thank you, Lord. Hasten the day. Because God would not allow tribulation to come your way. And I'm not talking about the tribulation. I'm talking about trouble to come your way without you were prepared for it. And without that, he had the intent of building patience in your life. It's going to happen. How, same quote in the Church Age book. How highly God re regards this outworking of our patience seen in James. But let patience have a perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. God's will for us is retirement? No. Savings? No. God's will for us is perfection. That perfection is patience. And waiting on God and waiting for God, this is the process of character development. Who likes process, right? We like instant results. We don't like process. We like instant results. But God says, I've got a process. I know what I'm taking you through. And I know where we are going. And I know how all of this is going to wind up. Okay? Let's wrap this up. Five definite identifications of the true church of the living God. <clears throat> 1960. Brother Branham says, How many knows what the gospel is? It's not just the word. But the gospel came to us, not in word only, 
but through the power and the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. The gospel is the power of God to make the word act and say what it'll do. Let me tell you something. God has got an outworking process in our life that's going to bring us to that place of perfection. I believe that. I, I believe that with all my heart. And this is exactly what Paul teaches us uh, in 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 his explanation as he begins in the book of, of Colossians here. This would be a really good book for you to read, really good uh, epistle for you to take a look at, and, and just kind of take it slow and look at the uh, the uh, the counterweight that Paul is bringing to the uh, worldview of the people in that area where they're where they're Gnostics, they're intellectuals, they're they're looking at uh, you know some questions that they don't have answers for as to why there is evil in the world. If God is good and God created the world, then why is there evil in the world? And in order to do in order to think that way, they have to leave out many things. But Paul is saying that there is a mystery that's been unfolding. And in verse Colossians 1, verse 26, the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest. The entire mystery is not unfolded in Paul's time, but a goodly portion of that mystery is revealed in Christ and justification and sanctification and all of the other uh, facets of the experience of salvation, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all of that and the building of the New Testament church and who the New Testament church really is, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory, the bride of Christ. And so this mystery, Paul says, it's it's an unfolding, it's a revealing of what God had uh, veiled in the Old Testament, and now he said it's coming out. And he said, we preach this, we warn every man, teaching every man in, in, in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Remember, the whole idea is perfection. The whole thing that God is looking to accomplish in us is perfection. And part of the process is to put us through uh, the outworking of, of uh, patience through trials, through tribulation. Those things are all a part of that. But we should not uh, be praying continually that God would take all of the troubles out of our life. Number one, it's not going to happen. Number two, patience is a product of some of those trials. So sometimes it's good for us to pray, Lord, your will be done. And if I have to go through trial, or Lord, maybe this trial I'm in right now, help me to develop the character to see it through so that I can develop what you want to see in me during this time. Yes, I think we'll get our church back. Yes, I think we'll be able to get in there and, hey, who knows? Maybe all of this was done so that our fellowship hall floor could harden and be cured and be solid as a rock when we go back. Who knows? There are a lot of reasons we could probe at as to why things are the way they are in the world. But you know what? I'm not going to waste time really on trying to come to a perfect understanding of that. I rather look at it this way. Lord, I want to learn everything I need to learn in times like this. And I want to model or express what it means to have patience in God and to have trust in God in times when we don't have perfect answers. The fact that you don't have a perfect solution doesn't really matter. But what you want to show is a perfect rest in God, a perfect rest in his program. That's what you want to have. Hey, 
I know this is hard. I know it's harder for some than for others. I know it's hard for people who live in isolation. And, hey, we as the people of God, we're social creatures. We we love fellowship. We love to get together. And, man, if there is some way that, you know, we can make some things better to be great. Some of you, your whole work year is going to be different. I'm thinking of uh, the students. If you're in college, uh, it seems like college is changing drastically for the rest of this year. And that affects a lot of things. And for students, I know that uh, like whether your brother John Cockman is teaching or some of the boys and girls who are in, in college and doing things online, it, it's not easy to switch everything to an online system. And, and there are real challenges, and we have to make the best of it. We have to make the most of it. Spiritually speaking, we have to do precisely the same thing. It's not always easy to minister. It's not always easy to, you know, get your spiritual strength from uh, looking at a little screen or your phone or however you do it. There are a lot of things maybe that we would prefer and we remember as being better. Let me tell you something. Perfection is patience, and waiting on God and waiting for God is what he wants you to learn to do. That's the process of character development. I'd like to pray with you this evening. I'd like to ask God's blessing upon you and your household. I just trust that God will uh, give you patience, and that God will give you prosperity, that God will allow you to be challenged in thinking about your own finances, I just pray that God will bring healing to all those who need it, and especially to those who seriously need it. And I'd like to make sure that we don't forget the people who are in the medical field on the front lines of battle. We we realize that every day, basically, most of them get up in the morning and go out to work, and they face it over and over again. I think that their job is risky, and... Uh, their expertise really matters in times like this. And I commend them and uh, want to stand with them in praying that God will bless them. So whatever your need is right now, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are blessed. As Sister Carol Hindley just texted to me, we are a blessed people. There are many ways, Lord, our situation could be worse. It would be a difficult thing to be alone and not have any connection with with the believers. But Lord, in your own sovereign way, you allowed this to happen when the internet made it possible for us to connect. But Lord, you, you had a lot of things planned. You had a lot of things stored up for us. You had a lot of paths already well-worn to bring us to where we are. Lord, I pray tonight that you would bless each family. Lord, whether it be for our spiritual growth and our spiritual discipline, or Lord, if it be for our finances, Lord, it might be for healing. We think of Sister Karen tonight, Lord, Sister Karen Morglea. And Lord, I just pray for, for Carrie, her youngest daughter, and Lord, for the family. I just ask that you would just, Lord, bring your peace and let your healing virtue flow. Father, you have ways of getting our attention like no other force on earth, Lord. When our health is at stake, 
when our livelihoods are at stake, when the future is uncertain, somebody who is not really where they should be, they think differently in times like that. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would continue, Lord, not only to bring healing to our bodies, but, Lord, you would also deal with hearts as well. To those, Lord, who maybe have thought they could do it without you, may they wake up and realize they need you. Lord, I just pray that you would keep us, Lord, from the sickness and the virus that surrounds us. I pray, Lord, for our medical people and ask that you would just give them strength and protection every day that they go out of their home. And when they come back into their home with their family, Lord, may you protect them. I ask, oh God, that you would bless Brother Ron Spencer. Lord, I think of Sister Anja tonight and her family, praying that your extra blessing and rest upon them. Lord, for the elderly among us, Lord, we just ask that you would bless each one. We commit our needs to you, Lord, and thank you for this little time together. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, saints. It's been wonderful tonight. I trust that something that has been said has been a blessing to you. And uh, I, I, I can't see anyone, uh, but I know you're there because you're uh, communicating with me. And I appreciate that very, very, very much. And I love to hear from you. And my wife and I have so enjoyed the communications we've had uh, from people. And uh, may the Lord richly bless you. So don't forget our times uh, between now and Sunday service. 3 o'clock on Friday for the sisters, uh, Friday night, 7.30 for the older youth, and then uh, Saturday evening for uh, the young people, uh, for our kids up to eight years old. Uh, We look forward to seeing you then. If in any way we can help you, we would be glad and honored to help you. Uh, You just need to let us know. I'm thankful for our deacons who have been consistent in communicating with you, and uh, we appreciate their uh, Uh, selflessness in uh, taking time to deal with each one. And uh, we just trust the Lord will richly bless the balance of your week and keep you safe. God bless you.